Welcome to Storytelling with Lindsay Bednar. So, okay, I want to start with just talking about what it is that you do. And when I first was introduced to you, I was told that you do NSA, which was something I hadn't heard of before. (laughs) But I knew it was in the chiropractic realm. So if you want to start by speaking to that and then go into your journey of how you got into that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they've changed the name many times in the network profession. So network is a specific form of chiropractic. And back in the 80s, it was network chiropractic. Then it turned into network spinal analysis. And now within the last couple of years, it's now network spinal, which that has to do with the evolution of the technique. I don't think it's grammatically correct, but that's okay. So now they call it NS, which is funny because that stands for nervous system, but really it's an approach and a way of working with the nervous system and finding access points into the body in which the system is working. So traditional chiropractic, not that that's right or wrong, but oftentimes it'll be, oh, I feel tense, I feel stuck, I have pain. And there's almost a forcing through that, through the adjustment, whereas network is looking at almost the complete opposite of sure, we recognize you have pain, you have tension, you have symptoms, you have challenges. And because your nervous system is intelligent, where is your body working? So the way I describe it to people is we move through the open door of the system rather than trying to like bust down the locked door. Oh, interesting. And what I've found is that it not only helps the resolution of physical challenges, but because we're working in such a gentle model, you can tap into mental healing, emotional healing, even spiritual healing. I mean, people will say on the table that... I'll work on them. And all of a sudden they have this memory of childhood where maybe they got in a fight with their parents or they were bullied. And there's this deeper awareness and resolution of like, oh, I don't have to carry that emotional baggage. So a lot of it looks at the breath through the nervous system, the breath through the spine. It looks at postural distortion patterns that we hold from physical challenges all the way back to birth trauma. So it's really this gentle unwinding process of helping the nervous system come into a more coherent tone and opening up the system in which it can become even more efficient. So when I first started my chiropractic journey, I was not doing network. I did not grow up with chiropractic care. My my mom was kind of the... Um, the, as I could say, the prairie dog parent where (laughs) she would kind of just let us do our thing. We didn't go to the doctor quite a bit, but if something big happened, she'd be like, you good? Like pop her head up and then keep going. She was a single parent. So it'd kind of be like, Hey, rub some dirt on it, take a shot of NyQuil and just move on. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that was like my reality. And it wasn't until I experienced a rugby injury growing up I think it was like age 20 that my friend was like, Hey, you should, I know you've done some PT, but you should go see a chiropractor. They can help quite a bit. So I went to this first chiropractor and they were great, but I just feel like there were things that were kind of missing. So then my rugby coaches at the time, my shoulder injury healed. That's how I got injured in rugby. I went to this other chiropractor, thanks to my rugby coaches at the time, they said, hey, you should go to this other guy. He does something really different. And I was like, what? There's different techniques here? Like, what's going on? And so I went to this other chiropractor and he walked through, you know, unless you get to the underlying wound of the nervous system and walked through this whole process of like the innate intelligence of the body and that the principle of chiropractic is that the body can heal. We just need to remove the interference, right? Our bodies are intelligent. 
So he was an upper cervical. I don't know if you're familiar with upper cervical. It focuses on just the top two bones of the neck. So it doesn't touch anywhere else in the spine. And once you get into the chiropractic realm, there's like hundreds of techniques and they all serve a purpose. But he started working on me and all of a sudden my low back pain got better. My shoulder got even better. I didn't realize what was possible, but my menstrual cycles got better. And I didn't realize that was a possibility. I was like, wait, this guy isn't even touching my low back. Like, why? How is this happening? I started losing weight um, because I used to be significantly heavier. And I just felt like this emotional clearing started to happen from childhood trauma. And then in chiropractic school, I discovered a network practitioner who came and checked some students, had no idea what it was. I just looked up some YouTube videos of, you know, what they would do on the table. And it was, was kind of weird. Um, if you don't know network, it looks kind of weird. And I was like, hey, I'll give it a shot. And I started getting network care and it completely blew my mind. And my whole body had this huge reset, like emotionally and spiritually, almost like a cracking open. Like I thought I had gotten to a point of healing, but I felt like network brought it to a whole nother depth of a lot of self-forgiveness. I'd let go of a lot of anger. I used to be like a really angry kid, like angry at my dad and all this stuff. But there was just like this depth of healing that started to happen and honestly like self-healing. So I needed less care, but I got even deeper results. And that's something I find within network is we experience the physical part in traditional chiropractic. And oftentimes there can be this like, there's something more. And I didn't even realize there was something more until I started receiving it. So then from that moment on in chiropractic school, I just dedicated to the work. I went to like every seminar, I became like a seminar workshop junkie, and I was going to all these classes and just became much more masterful at it to facilitate for my now clients at my practice. So that's so cool. And it mimics what I hear so often about people who go into chiropractic is they had uh, some sort of injury where chiropractic really saved them and changed the trajectory. And so I assume after your, that's how you got into chiropractic school is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So cool. So when you started doing, it's called NS now. Yeah. Network spinal. I know it doesn't sound (laughs) grammatic. Network spinal. I just say network because it covers the whole range of like when it started in the seventies all the way to now. Okay. 2023. So, and you say gentle movement. So what is that like? How is that different from chiropractic versus like Reiki, which I've done before the energy movement? The way that, so if you're an observer from the outside, it, it somewhat looks like cranial sacral. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. So my son had that, he had one session and I would love to have him do more of those because I was told that would be very beneficial for his eyesight. And he has lessened prescription several times through work. I'm not sure how much of that was cranial. Uh, we did some fascia work in that session as well. But so that's that's my familiarity with it was just the one time. That's great. I think it's great for kids. I recommend cranial sacral a lot for kids, especially with the birth trauma and the cranium. So the way that from the outside, it would look is almost like cranial sacral. It can look like Reiki because we're working with both the physical body, like our matter, and we're also working with the energy body, which is what we are familiar with with Reiki. If you study any yogic traditions, they talk about the koshas, which are the fields of energy that as we move outside of the physical body, you have your emotional plane, your mental plane, and then your spiritual plane. 
And our nervous system has essentially a sixth sense for survival and protection. Because if you're in a room, if you ever had that moment where like you're in a room and you're like, I think someone's looking at me and you turn around and they are, there's a deeper knowing that goes beyond physical matter. And majority of the universe, I think we only can see 5%. So we're working with the physical matter as well as the energetic bodies in the system. And so the way that we do that is we work a lot with what's called gateways in the central nervous system, which are those access points of pulling you in. So if you're a body worker, you know that when you land on a part of the body, there's like a breath, the body almost kind of lifts into you. And so a lot of it has to do with the, the spinal cord the dura, the connective tissue, the fascia, and working with those unwinding patterns in the body. Because when we can unwind that, that shifts the musculature patterns, which then shifts the bone. So the way you can think about it is we're working directly with the nervous system, whereas maybe traditional models are working with more of the bone, like moving the bone. And again, there's just different access points to the system. But I found if you can work on that spinal cord connective tissue plane, a lot of the muscles and bones start to self-adjust, which is really cool. So it's very gentle contacts cueing the brain to pay attention to the body in a whole new way. And so our philosophy is less is more. How can we teach the brain and the body to have a better relationship? And sometimes, you know, I'll make a contact and someone's like, whoa, I feel like I just, my whole body shifted in that moment. And the way I can imagine it, and I describe it to new clients is the eye of the hurricane. So there can be a lot going on in the body, but if you can find that one point, all of a sudden the whole system can shift. So it's much more system oriented versus just one segment because we're connected whole beings, right? So without going down like a rabbit hole, that's, you know, kind of how I describe it in the beginning stages of care. Okay. And so with like, what I understand with fascia work is it's, that's like that webbing that goes around your whole body, right? So that seems to be connected with what you're doing. So does yours encompass like the cranio, the fascia, is that separate or what is the difference between the two? Yeah. So the way I describe it is we are going to be focusing on more spinal cord, whereas a lot of cranial sacral, they're going to be a lot of just cranium and sacrum, but it's very similar in some of the results, but a lot of it is where we're focusing. I will work with the cranium at some points, but they, I think with cranial sacral, I haven't taken classes. They do a lot of rib cage opening too. Like they start with cranium and sacrum because the way that we see it and they see it is like this pulley system, right? The way that the fascia connects at the cranium and the cervical curves and the curves in the spine, they don't touch as much of those specific points in the spine. They're very like top and bottom, so to speak. And the way, the reason that network is called network is because the founder, Donnie Epstein, he saw all these brilliant techniques coming through and they all had merit. So he networked them together. So there's some of cranial sacral, there's some of sacral occipital technique, there's some of, you know, Pierce, which I'm just speaking chiropractic jargon. But I would say the the subtle differences are that we're looking at more of the whole system of the spine, where they may be focusing on like just cranium and just sacrum in the beginning. But with the fascia, I mean, you'll have fascial points all the way down to your heels that connect all the way up to where your brainstem attaches. So that's where we're looking at more than whole body networks in the system. Okay. So cool. So do you find that there are certain 
things that you, like if somebody's coming in with eye issues, do you know where to go to or is every body just different where you're just listening to that particular body? Yeah, that's, you know, there are definitely templates that I'll ask when I think of eye issues. For example, there's a physical component. So I would start to look at cranium or upper cervical, so upper neck, because that's the nerve that goes to eyes, ears, nose, throat. I would look at birth trauma. So there, there are these kind of, like I said, templates that I follow, but it is so dependent on the person's experience. And if we're speaking about, you know, your kiddo, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I would ask maybe some, some questions of the parents of like some more, um, what's the word? Not met, I guess it could be metaphor. Like eyes relate to like, what is their vision in life? Like, do they feel like they're able to see clearly, metaphorically? Or is there some blockage in like the lineage of the family? So I, I go all the way through even to like the lineage healing. But physically, I would start with, you know, what's happening here? And is there something pulling in the system that's causing that, you know, effect? Because we see it as cause and effect, right? Like most low back pain I see with people, 90% of the time, it's because there's a misalignment of the upper neck. Okay. Because it's all this pulling. But I start physical and then I look at, is there an emotional component here? Is there something kind of being passed down in the lineage of more of a thought pattern that's manifesting in the eyes? Sure. But starting physical and then going quantum down the road. That's so cool. He <laughs> had a ridiculously like fast birth as far yeah. as how long he spent in the birth canal. Because looking back on my labors, I would have done things very differently because I, I, I hadn't been fully introduced to uh, holistic healing mm-hmm. prior to that. So I had Pitocin. I had, you know, the, what do you call it? Epidural. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the epidural. <laughs> as soon as I'm point of the spine, I'm like, yeah, your yeah. spinal cord got tapped a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he came, it, it's in like nine minutes, like when yeah, I started pushing. It's pretty fast. Yes. Yeah. And so I know that likely threw things off. Yeah. Most definitely did. And so I'm now having to go back and try to correct the ways in which he first was entered into the world. Totally. And it's, it's been such a, a, like a light bulb for me that I've gotten so passionate about sharing how these things can completely you know, change the the health of your baby and, and what they are experiencing down the road. And so if I can help new moms understand and, and do things differently than I did, like that's, that's the dream. When some eye stuff too can be so like, yes, there's the cranial component as far as like quick, quick births, baby that come, babies that come kind of like, you know, blazing and ready to go. Oftentimes they didn't experience the contractions where that's actually what helps form the cranium. So with every contraction, there's like a squeezing in the baby's head and that helps form the cranial bones. So oftentimes with babies that come quickly, they just didn't get as much of that experience and you can still work with it, right? Because cranial bones usually don't fully fuse until about 18 months, 18 to 24 months. So if any parent out there is maybe dealing with some of that, you have a good window where that's pretty moldable and they're pretty sponge-like. Something to consider too with eye stuff is our eyes and our visual processing system is so linked to our nervous system. So let's say we dealt with a trauma and in that moment, our eyes were like looking up and to the right. Well, if every time I try to access that range of motion, my body goes into a fight or flight response, I'm going to stop 
using those muscles in that way because my nervous system doesn't have the capacity to handle that energy and information. So something that can be helpful for any eye stuff, even adults, is actually practicing going around, I call it going around the clock with your eyes to engage those muscles. And even if you try it yourself, if you're listening at home, like moving your eyes all the way to the side, you might notice something happening in your body. And that means there's almost a trauma loop to be completed. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of it isn't necessarily that their eyesight is bad. It's just that the muscles need to be completely exercised in the full range of motion because it's the muscles that dictate the shape of the eye. And so much when we experience trauma, even from birth, our eyes are locked in a position, our body's locked in a position. So that's a little bit deeper kind of way that I go if there's more of an extreme case and eyes are just a funky thing. So that's, I think, case specific. Um, But that is what I would, you know, go into with them. Okay. Yeah. What do you see are common things that people come to you for? Uh, I'm sure, obviously, it runs the gamut, but do people typically come in with an injury? Is it preventative care with your client base? What what are you seeing most often? Most of the time, I would say probably 90% of my clients are women. A lot of it is anxiety. I'll see a lot of anxiety, like high performing, high high paced lives that there's just this tension that's impacting their sleep. So I see a lot of sleep. I see a lot of digestive issues because when your system is in that fight or flight, it doesn't care about digesting your food. It just wants to run away from the saber tooth tiger. So a lot of sleep, a lot of anxiety, a lot of digestion, Um, I do care for a decent amount of kiddos, and that often comes in the form of behavioral stuff, so outbursts. Um, I think because people know that we do network, they understand that it's a form of trauma healing. So I'll see people who know, yeah, I had this trauma happen when I was 14, and now it's manifesting in my ability to focus. It's manifesting in this ability to fall asleep at night, to engage with my peers, to have energy. Energy is a big one. Like So many people come in, and they're just exhausted all the time, and they've done literally everything. And part of their nervous system is just hardwired for survival. And when you're carrying that pattern in your body, it's exhausting. I almost swore. I don't know if we can swear on this podcast. You can totally swear. (laughs) It's like, it's fucking exhausting. (laughs) Um, So those are the the top things I see people come in with. I do see people with injuries, but it's a lot more of the chronic pain. And most of the time that does stem back to a trauma that's now manifested physically. Like fibromyalgia, for example, is often there's a lot of rage and anger in the system that they haven't been allowed to express which is a lot of a pain. There's often an underlying emotional component too. So. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about yeah. next is uh, I'm just starting to learn about how trauma manifests in the body in the last like, you know, five, 10 years, yeah. but really even more so lately, I just, it keeps coming into my field where I'm seeing it more and more. So we have a, a friend who was diagnosed with Parkinson's yeah. has a, amazing neurologist and the neurologist started asking questions about his childhood. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And his father died when he was four years old. And so they've been working with that. And 
to see that doctors are really starting to tap into the trauma is just so wonderful because it seemed to be so disconnected before. Yeah. Where over here we talk about trauma and over here we talk about other things, but I'm starting to see more of a bridge, which is amazing. So if you could help people understand kind of more about trauma and how that manifests in the body, that would be great. Bridge the gap. Yeah. I think that's one, just to speak to like a neurologist asking about that, like that makes my heart sing. Right. Because the medical world is so compartmentalized. Like you got your foot specialist here, you got your kidney specialist here, and we have to bridge the gap because we are not these parts, right? Sure, we are a bunch of systems, but it's like we're living vitalistic beings and everything is connected. So if you are new to any sort of understanding trauma, emotions, and the body, it all starts with the central nervous system. So in a moment of trauma, the way I describe it is if you were to give it a definition, it's a moment in time where your body, mind, your nervous system, which I use interchangeably, perceived that it did not have the resources to respond appropriately meaning there is a sense of, I can't adapt to this. I'm not resilient enough to make it through. And so anytime the nervous system perceives that, we will default into, and you probably heard like fight, flight, freeze, right? We'll default into a flight response. So running away, I can't deal with this emotion. It's too much. I run away. We default into fight, which is my response. You know, a child of sexual abuse, a child of parents getting divorced, I went into fight mode. Thankfully, at sports channel it. And then we go, if that doesn't work, we go into freeze, which is collapse. There's two other ones, which is fawning and fitting in. And fawning is where you are the people pleaser and you become more of a martyr and you sacrifice your values, whereas fitting in is more camouflage. Like you don't really show who you are because you're afraid that if you were to step out and be authentic, the tribe's going to cut you out. So our nervous system automatically, when it doesn't feel like there's enough resourcefulness physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, we will collapse into one of those default systems. Now that's both a posturing. So our body changes form. And it's also when the body changes form long enough, what happens is we then run these emotional programs. We run the thought programs. And I tell people, your thoughts are not in your brain. Oftentimes our own thoughts are not our own thoughts. They come from the field. They come from people around us. So if you think of your body as an antenna in trauma, we curl in and we go into fight, flight, freeze. If our body's the antenna, then we only have the capacity to receive certain thoughts and beliefs about ourselves. And so if in a moment, let's say, you know, just to be straight up, like when I was experiencing my sexual abuse, I went into freeze and I didn't feel like I had the physical resources to like kick this person off of me. So the way that that can manifest when our, our body is running this neurochemistry of like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in survival mode, but I can't actually mobilize the energy, we will stack and store it in our muscles at first. When we don't have enough you know, ability to express it and move it through, it will then show up in our organs, in our glands, in our tissues. So down the road, you could have all of a sudden all these health problems when actually the moment in time was 10, 20 years ago. And you've been running these subtle patterns, right? And there's big T's, which I call the big traumas, which a lot of people would say, you know, rape, big car accidents, grief, loss, losing people. And then you have the little T's, which is like, I fell off the sidewalk. I, you know, 
my kid fell off the counter. That might be a big one. But you know what I'm saying? Like the, all these things stack over time. And eventually that those trauma loops in your body, you're going to get to a threshold where it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And you're going to say, oh, I just stepped off the curve wrong. And now, you know, I broke my back. It's like, really did that happen? Or was it like 20 years ago when you were maybe dealing with a tough situation and you stacked and stored all that energy in your low back, right? And I think people have to realize that everything works on energy and that's not a woo-woo concept, right? Down to the cells of our body, there is electron exchange happening, And that's literally how we experience life is electrons have to move through different cells, through different tissues. And there's just a biochemical exchange happening that manifests as these neural cascades when we're in a trauma loop. So one thing I see too with the emotional side of it, just to speak to that, is if you felt in a moment you you felt, let's say you were in a, a poor relationship and you wanted to scream at this person, but you couldn't, well, that anger will stack and store most of the time I see it in the lower cervical spine, in the shoulders and in the chest. And, you know, I see a lot of young men now having these heart attacks. And yet, you know, where does that energy need to be expressed? And so making sound and actually like, oh, just growling, if we don't feel safe to express that, then I say, where does that energy go? It's not like it just disappears. It gets stacked and stored in our body at a later date that you hopefully discharge it and you hopefully scream it out. But we live in a world where that's weird and it's not acceptable. So then we just keep going through our life and all of a sudden, you know, people are dropping dead of heart attacks. I'm not saying heart attacks are a result of stacked and stored anger. And with every single physical component that you're feeling, there's an underlying emotional component. Like I see this 99% of the time in my office. So I hope that kind of bridges the gap a little bit when it comes to trauma and emotional healing in the physical body. Well, it's such a great reminder of, especially I keep coming back to just with the kids and how to change their generation, because it's like, we're in the generation where we're, we're trying to fix all these (laughs) systems, right? We're in the yuck of it. Yeah. (laughs) We're in the yuck of it, but our kids, you know, we can really change things for them. And so, uh, I think about when our kids get angry and how in the past it was like, it's not appropriate to talk back or to whatever. And it was very just like you shut emotions down. Yeah. Sit down, shut up, pay attention. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's really understanding like those emotions need to be expressed. Yeah. And I feel like, well, in one of the previous podcasts, we talk about how one of the things I do is I like, well, hold my hands up and let my son like just punch him when yeah. he's angry because you can see the balls yep. of his fists. And that's the physical component, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. You, so you could, you can see it in real time. Like yes. it, it is, it needs to channel somewhere. So yep. don't just hold it in, like use something with it. Yep. And then of course, coaching on how do you do that when you're in a school situation? <laughs> I or, know. Which is difficult too, because they yeah. don't necessarily have those outlets. No. And that's, that's what I see a lot of therapists talking about is, you know, we live in a, a world where we maybe don't have those outlets and it's not appropriate, but there's there's got to be outlets. Otherwise, that's where these distorted behaviors start to come out. And no behavior is bad. It's just a window into the nervous system. So kids who have and have 
you know, been diagnosed with like ADHD or they're not paying attention or they're, you know, they get angry really quickly. I, I look at that and say, what's happening in their nervous system that they don't have safe places to express that. So yeah, letting your kids punch your hands or that's why kids need to play. They need to go outside and roughhouse a little bit. They need to get, you know, roll in the dirt and maybe wrestle a little bit. That's like an animalistic primitive need that, I see more recess taken away. I see more music taken away. And we're turning into these like STEM, right? Science, technology, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but we have animal brains that need to express emotion. It's just tough because in the moment, it might not be quote unquote appropriate, right? right? And there are ways you can teach and work through that. But I, I really feel for teachers, you know? Yeah. Like I really, it's like, oh, well, I guess you're angry, but we got to learn this math now. And listen, you're not going to absorb any of that. If there's a kid that's running an anger program and they're like brainstem is showing, they're not going to absorb any of that stuff you're teaching them. Like that's not how the brain works. You need to be calm and breathing low and slow to actually take in energy and information and absorb it and digest it and process it and hold it as a core memory. When you're in a trauma state, good luck. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. God bless our teachers. I taught for 12 years yeah. and it, it was in the alternative school realm. And okay. so my students were coming in with a lot of trauma. Yeah. And the vast majority of my day was pulling kids out of class. You were the mom. Yeah. yeah. And, and just letting them vent and breathe and work through it because, yeah, there was nothing that was going to get take place in class without working through that issue. And it's it's a insurmountable task for teachers to deal with a class full of students who all have their own triggers, their own traumas, and and they don't have the space to just work through it in real time. And that's you know as much as maybe we fear it, I think, and you probably could say this as a parent when a kiddo is expressing maybe a level of intensity and pick your flavor of emotion, it can bring up our stuff as adults. It's like, oh, I didn't ever really have the space growing up to deal with this. Like, how do I deal with that? And part of it is just allowing the completion of the emotion to be fully expressed, knowing that there is a witness to it, not that it needs to be fixed, not that it needs to be, you know, directed in maybe a manipulative manner, but literally, even even adults too, we just need to be heard and seen. And you'll see uh, Peter Levine is a really great teacher about somatic experiencing when a kid is in rage or an adult is processing a lot of tears. You'll see what happens is like they feel this energy, they're crying, they're screaming, and then all of a sudden... There's this big resourceful breath that comes in where instead of breathing high, they like all of a sudden take this big deep breath and they see this in animals. And it's really fascinating. Animals know how to complete their own trauma loops because they don't have the social nervous system that we do that tells us a story. If I do this, Timmy's not going to like me, you know, but I think kids and adults, they just need the space knowing that, okay, it's safe. This person is with me. They get me where I can just maybe like throw a fit for a second. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I feel better. I mean, right. We've all had those moments where it's like, I, I was just crying this weekend with my husband and I was like, I feel way more clear. And like, I had the idea I needed for like the next business move I needed to make, but yeah. I just needed to literally cry and be held. And what's people, they say when I teach about this, they're like, well, I can't be walking around crying all the time. It's like, no, 
when you actually allow the full expression and completion, you learn how to modulate in different settings. And you don't need to have these outbursts all the time. And that's the same with kids when they can have that big cathartic release. Sure, there might be little moments down the road, but they learn how to be in their own in those difficult situations. And it's not going to be this like drama crying thing all the time. Yes. Right. I hear from parents so often that when they send their kids to school, they come home. And I remember dealing with this with my children, they would come home and just kind of fall apart. Yep. And, (laughs) and then you go to conferences, you're kind of wondering like, Oh, how are the, how's their behavior at school? And they're like, Oh, they're so great. They listen so intently, whatever. Well, yeah, they're in a very tight you know, structure they have to fit into all day yep. long. Yep. And then they come home and they feel comfortable to just let it out. Because they feel safe. Yes. Yep. That's what I see here. Like people walk in and they lay on the table and I just literally place my hand on their body and find an area. And it's just this like, I mean, it's like they've been carrying around this emotional baggage for years and someone finally just sees them. And like, that's the healing, right? And it, I, it's, I'm not special. I'm just holding the container and we all have that healing ability, but you're absolutely right. And it's got to be rooted in safety. I do think there are more schools and maybe it's just my own consciousness and I'm choosing different circles to be a part of, but I'm seeing more like play and, and more maybe in more the charter schools or like alternative schools where there is more of that in the curriculum versus just sitting in a chair for eight hours a day. Like it's, that's just the kids need to move like their brain is more movement than anything like they need to move Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I'm hopeful with everything that we're learning that with the nutrition the movement that that starts to change the school system because there's such a focus on uh, all the academics like you said the stem and everything but the emotional bodies are suffering. Emotional IQ is a a huge asset and it's going to become an even greater asset the more I think people realize its importance. And I I would hope that these systems in the world don't have to get to a tipping point of complete chaos and destruction. Like I would really like us to pay attention to the subtle symptoms along the road. And, you know, something I just see in like the health space is Sometimes, unfortunately, people wait until there's a huge catastrophic event to take new action. I wish it didn't have to be that way. And again, if you're a listener, like listen to the subtleties, you know, so you don't have to wait for a metaphorical heart attack in any system to like actually create new change. You know, my sister talked about that on her episode about how typically we get hit with a a feather and then it's a brick. And then it's a truck. (laughs) Yep. Well, and there's people I see where, uh, you know, they're of the consciousness of like, yeah, I got into a really bad accident and I realized there were so many things in my life that I was not paying attention to. I was not listening. And one of the network tenants we talk about is pain in any form, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual pain is an acronym of pay attention inside now. And if you don't listen to the physical feedback loops, It's going to turn emotional. It's going to turn relational. It's going to turn social. And then eventually, if you keep ignoring it and you just live out of alignment, the universe is always in balance via the law of conservation of energy. It's going to give you a wake-up signal. 
And it might be in the form of a car accident. I don't know. And again, I talk about that. People are like, oh, why would, why should we have to deal with trauma in order to wake up? I'm like, you don't have to if you're listening. Right. <laughs> right. So it's the way that it kind of snaps us back into reality. Yeah. Cause nature and life wants to be in alignment, it's a natural state. And when we're not, the body is incredible. It gives us signals saying you're not in alignment, right? Yeah. Gut issues, even though they're so common, are not normal. And unfortunately, in our culture, we have normalized so much of this. It's like every other commercial is a, you know, a pill to take. And now I'm seeing there's these injections for teenagers, and I'm like, what? What the fuck is going on? I know, I know. <laughs> I well, sorry, rampage there. But. No, it's so true. I mean, we grew up with the commercials of you have indigestion, you take an antacid, yep. you know, and it's like, you have to go out and seek this information because it's not, it's not coming to you through the TV. Like no. for kids who grew up in our generation where we were, you know, there's a lot of latchkey kids. We're watching TV. It's yep. commercials all yep. the time. Yep. You have a headache, you take Advil, no discussion about are you dehydrated? Did you get enough sleep last <laughs> night? Like, nope, it's just like, we're going to do this. Water is a, if you drink enough water, it solves a, a lot of problems. Lot. So there are some complications to other things, but yeah, you're, you're so right. And I always, you know, I can easily go down like the bashing of certain systems when I'm in more of my like excited, but I I'm like, look, I'm not saying that 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 thing, like if you choose to go the medical route is bad. You just need to understand that there are consequences to every action you take and you may not see the outcome now, but, and something's going to show up down the road later because everything in the universe is the law of cause and effect. And again, you may not see it in this very moment, but you know, research has shown you take years of acetaminophen or ibuprofen or Advil that has been shown to cause ulcers of the gut, but it may take three years to actually see that manifest because your body's freaking intelligent. It's like, oh, this isn't good. I need to like create an ulcer to actually like protect myself. Yeah. You know, so everything is intelligent. It's just our morality comes into play. Yeah. My husband was talking to me about, a, I don't know, recently we were just going over like my podcast. I was talking about upcoming guests or things I've had before. And he said, you know, I've noticed that you're, you've had a lot of holistic medicine path. And, and I know one of your intentions for this podcast is to really bridge the gap and mm. break down divisiveness. So I just, yeah. like, I want to caution you that to like, I don't want you to feel pigeonholed that you're this or that. And I'm like, that's a great perspective yeah. because for me, I don't see it as that at all. I, I grew yeah. up in a very Western medical family. My dad's a dentist. Yeah. And just living in a society where there was only one narrative for me growing up, where you take a medication when you're sick, you only go to the doctor if you have an ailment that needs fixing at that moment. And so for me, finding preventative healthcare through chiropractic work and, and all of these uh Reiki, meditation, all of these other things to really see the bodies interconnected. It's not something that I ever learned from society. Yeah. And so I have just become so like passionate about how it's helped me, how I've seen it help other people that I want to share that message. By no means does that take away like my appreciation for both systems, Absolutely. right? Like thank yeah. God for all of the 
thank mankind for all of the advancements in, in technology and medicine. And I'm equally frustrated that this whole interconnected holistic health is overlooked yeah. by the mainstream narrative. I think, you know, it doesn't, and, and there are some people in my profession who will go on, you know, medical bashing rampages. And that unfortunately doesn't help the cause because you're not going to get anywhere if we just keep fighting each other. And I believe that it all can serve. And there's pros and cons of everything. And like you said, often so many of us were exposed to one paradigm. And when we're exposed to a new paradigm, sometimes we have this inner conflict that happens of like, it's more the black and white thinking. And it's like, well, this or that. It's like, but what if they could simultaneously exist? You know, and that requires a different level of energy to ask that question. And I have to catch myself too, because I've seen clients unfortunately go through medical trauma. I've had my own experience with medical trauma. And I've also had experiences where I'm so grateful that the medical system existed, especially when it comes to like massive injury or like I, I always joke, but it's true. If I'm out in the wilderness and I get attacked by a bear, do not bring me to a chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs> do not do that. Like they are brilliant at saving lives. Yeah. They are brilliant at emergency care. Like it's wild to me. Like I have a friend who's a ER nurse and to hear what they help repair is absolutely incredible. And I think I'd invite listeners to consider like live in the and yeah. Like this and this. And one of my mentors has said, you know, quality of a great mind is to hold two opposing beliefs simultaneously in your mind at the same time. And it's kind of trippy. But practicing that and being like, what if both were possible? Like, I don't know about you, but I kind of just like sit back. I'm like, oh, that seems like a lot less pressure. <laughs> totally. And it, for, I think some people misconstrue that for being wishy-washy and not yeah. being grounded. Yes. And I think it's the opposite. I think if you are rooted in uh, who you are and what you value, you are all that more accepting of listening to both sides because yep. you're not threatened that it's going to throw you off course yep. or that it's going to somehow lessen what you believe and what you, how you operate. Absolutely. I, I always attempt to hold that perspective with clients, you know, like we were talking about before, whatever their choices are just holding that perspective of like, I see you, I understand. And, you know, I see myself as like a paradigm opener, not shifter necessarily right away, but just offering like, Hey, were you aware that there are other perspectives if you want to explore that? And I think when you can hold that space, like you said, it, it can be really grounding. I think of like a, a tree that has roots and there's so many different branches and even though there's so many different branches, it's still very grounded even when the storms come, right? When you can choose to go up these different branches in the tree of life. And when it comes down to it, there's one core, you know, trunk that's kind of like holding us all together, whatever this is. Yeah. <laughs> I got meta there for a second. Right. But. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I also want to mention that because I, I, I just feel like this has been misconstrued before. So I'm just going to speak to it while we're on the subject. <laughs> I have several nurse friends who very much ingrain themselves with holistic care. Yeah. You know, and so even when we talk about medical industry, the holistic field, we have people who are serving in one way and they're practicing. And so it's, it's, it's so not black and white to me. And I, 
yeah, I just can't stress enough that if, if we just can be open to both. And again, because our society, we don't have commercials about drinking more water and getting vitamin D and it, that's just not how it works. That's, it doesn't make anybody money. So, all right. I like to use these opportunities to really talk about like what's the flip side of the information that we have been pummeled with throughout our entire life. And I think sometimes anytime there's like a shift of a paradigm, I think of a pendulum. Like if you've been here for so long, sometimes there's a big swing. Yeah. Like when I like kind of started exiting that model and that belief system and, you know, paradigm principle, whatever you want to call it, I went pretty far the swing chiropractic school. Like I was, I was on one over here (laughs) and I like refused to see this side. And now I feel like I've found this balance as a practitioner because you just simply work with different cases and everyone's on a different journey. Yeah. But I think I like what you're speaking to. Like there, there are principles of life, you know, and whether we're talking about health or business or the economy, there are principles and energetics of life that stand the test of time. Yeah. So I think that's important to consider too, is you could be working with an MD or a nurse or a chiropractor. And I think it's okay to ask them like, what's your, what's your philosophy of health and healing? You know, cause there's, there's a philosophy behind everything, right? Philosophy has existed for thousands of years. Yeah. So I think it's important that's to ask. That's a good point. Yeah. Speaking of uh, business, you do uh, like business coaching as well, right? I do. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. share about that. Yeah. So I, I have always been one who likes to be a leader to the people around me, uh, especially in sports that I played. And once I started getting into my craft as a chiropractor, I was just noticing there were a number of younger practitioners reaching out to me, asking for support and wondering, you know, how I started my practice successfully and have grown it very sustainably. And I was like, you know, I think this is a sign that I'm meant to be a coach now. (laughs) So I've had the opportunity of coaching now for about three years and I absolutely love it. So I do a lot of business coaching, especially in the startup world, or if people are looking to just shift the way that they're doing their practice, because maybe they're getting burnt out. Unfortunately, there's a lot of chiropractors who work so many hours and they just get burnt out after five years because they think they need to work 10 hour days, six days a week. And that's insane. Right. (laughs) Um, So I really like to help young entrepreneurs understand that while yes, in the startup phase, you are working, you can find balance and you can find harmony and you can build something sustainably that aligns with your lifestyle. So I like getting into like the nitty gritty details of starting a practice as well as shifting how you operate. And then I'll also do breakthrough coaching, which is you know, you've heard me talk about emotional clearing and emotional baggage. I'll do some of that coaching with my clients as well, because I say you could have all the business strategies in the world, but if you are carrying around a belief and a paradigm that was instilled in you from your parents about money, let's say, and you have emotions around that, you can only do so many business tactics to get to the quote unquote next level. And so we help clear the mental, emotional stuff so that the business stuff can just naturally thrive. So that's like my bread and butter with coaching. Yeah, that's yeah. so huge. I worked with um, Vanessa Files before I started my business, and it was a, a similar thing to to talk go into a lot of those blocks that mm-hmm. you have. Because if, if you don't remove those and you're trying to start this thing, like it's going to keep coming back. Yep. 
And it, yeah, it, it will stop you from progressing going forward. Yeah. That's amazing. And it can be your biggest breakthrough too. Yeah. Like you think you have to do more social media. You think you have to, and all those things are great, but there comes a point where like tactics, you've kind of exhausted the tactics and now you need to dig out some nuggets of, of wisdom, like within your own being. Right. So cool. And you offer online courses. With, with I do. That? Okay. Yeah. I have, there's a lot of different ways to like tap into my vortex as yeah. I say. So yeah. we have, we have some online courses. Um, there is one that I have that's uh, specifically a trauma training for teachers. That was a, a training I did for a district around here. And that one kind of taps into that. But then I have a masterclass. It's free. It's how to understand trauma in the nervous system. So going through like the five F's of trauma, and then there's different ways to, you know, explore more of the mental, emotional healing. So I'll do like one-off workshops, but our online kind of, we call it our vitality vault is growing when it comes to cool. all these different resources you can access for pretty much free. Cause I, I get that sometimes like the holistic healing worlds, sometimes it can be hard to access right? And so in our community, we really try to make things as accessible as is possible um, when you're first dipping your toes in, right? All the way to like the, the retreats that we host, if that's something people are interested in. But yeah, we've got a lot of online stuff, a lot of in-person stuff. We're not getting rid of in-person because I think that's important. Yep, yep. Um, so needed right now. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. And you do trauma uh, healing for teachers? For teachers. That is so yeah. cool. So it's, it's a, it's my, um, on my Kajabi site, it's a, I think it's like three and a half hours of training where I actually walk teachers through one, how to recognize trauma, how to recognize it in your kids, how to recognize it in yourself. And then strategies kind of what we were talking about in those moments where you notice a kid is going through an experience where you don't have to take yourself out, but just being able to recognize it and integrate it into the classroom more versus like having it be separate with just you and little Timmy. It's like, how can we integrate more of these strategies where, you know, if you can be the leader in the classroom, it can make a really big difference. Cause my mom's a teacher. She's a special ed teacher. So I have like a big heart for teachers. Yeah. Oh, so, cool. so yeah, that's, that's one of our courses we have. What a service. That's so important. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. There are several quotes that I pulled from your Instagram. <gasps> quotes. Yay. <that> <laughs> I wanted to, you, you spoke to this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to share some of these because I was just like, wow, these, these are amazing and got me thinking. So I invite you to listen to the whisper before it becomes a scream. That just like... Wow. I mean, when we were talking about the feather, the the brick, the truck, and, and how what you see in these, you know, even like little gut issues where people think is so common and it, it speaks to so many parts of of our bodies and in our emotions. And I just thought that was so well said. I've never had someone read my quotes back to oh. me. So I'm like, this is great. Like, oh, I'm like, awesome. Yeah, that is good. It is good. I know. <laughs> Don't you love when you get like a download? It, it, it comes from outside of you and it just comes Absolutely. in and then you can go back to it later and be like, did I actually write that? Because it's just your higher self speaking through Absolutely. you. And it's so cool when that happens. Yeah. This yeah. is one of those changes. That was probably one of those moments. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Okay. Uh, another one, the very thing that you seek comes from the very thing that you're avoiding. That was totally, that was downloaded to me when I was 35,000 feet in the sky in a uh, airplane. 
<laughs> I was like very meta at that moment. And what I have realized with humans is we often go into seeking behavior if we think there's like this void that we're, we're trying to fulfill and we think it's outside of ourselves. And it could be, you know, let's say you're having a sensation in your body and you're seeking relief and you go for external things to try to get that relief. You know, I'm speaking mainly to like addiction type behavior, for example. And the very thing that you're seeking actually is within that nugget. Like if you were to go, go into it for a moment and connect with the sensation, connect with the emotion and just be with it, you'll actually get a greater capacity and depth of relief on the other side versus like what you think is out here. So like the medicine is us and it's like in the very thing that you're avoiding, right? And I could, yeah, it's like so that to me, when that came in, I was like, whoa, yeah. is this even, you ever have those droplets where you're like, is that me? Yeah. Totally. Or like, what is, so that was one of those. So I'm that, glad you brought that yeah. up. <laughs> I mean, because as soon as I read it, I was like, oh God, I can think of so many things <laughs> from my own life of, yeah, I mean, and it, it it also speaks to like our triggers too, right? Or yeah. the, the things that trigger us are the things that we actually need to be identifying in ourselves. And I know, yeah, I can just think of so many situations. Know, right? Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Now it's coming through. Right? Okay, so we got a couple more. The capacity to listen is rooted in a strong sense of self. And so I think that's what we were talking about earlier is really, it's not about being wishy-washy. It is when you have a strong sense of self, you are better able to listen to differing points of views. And, you know, in the last couple of years, there was such a, like a display of the emotional intelligence of where people are stuck. Because if you're unable to see the other side, you know, then that's your own blockage. And, and I, I think the people who are operating that way are not seeing it that way, but it's like so painfully obvious. When a tree is rooted deeply, it can weather all storms. Yeah. It's kind of that quote. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. And then blaming external circumstances takes away your power to change. I mean, there's, there's so many, so many instances I've had, especially a lot of my authors that are, have written memoirs speak to how they could have easily blamed external circumstances and and continued going down a, a road that was unhealthy. They recognized the external circumstances, no question, but then they recognized how they can play a more empowering part in, in that whole piece. And because, you know, a lot of that, how do I want to say it? I think people think if you haven't experienced personally trauma, like a, the big T's as you call them, you can't speak to like how somebody should operate. And there, there's for sure, I, I understand that argument. And because I have seen people and witnessed the resilience of humans take those big T's and use it as a, a method to figure out how to, to work through their own trauma and empower themselves, I know how possible it is. And so to me, it's like, wouldn't you want that empowering option as opposed to sitting with letting that be your story? Some people don't 
recognize that they have an alternate option, right? And we all have our own set of challenges. They just exist in other forms. So I think it's important to recognize like, well, yeah, what have I moved through? It might not be the same thing, but what have I moved through that I can provide insight and provide another option for empowerment that comes from within, you know, and we can learn through proxy as you do with this podcast. Like there's probably so much learning and absorption through proxy or maybe you didn't go through it. But if you, if you have any level of a heart, you can sense into that and you can, you know, be a guide on that journey with people. Right. Yeah. I learn so much all the time every day as I have today with you this has been so amazing yeah I know we could I feel like I could talk for like five hours I know hours the time this. just flew by <laughs> that's wild and I I wanted to check several times <sighs> and like it just oh please god tell me this recorded because there were so many nuggets I was like <gasps> I do that with my podcast too I'm like we hit record, right? Yeah, I get like that OCD, <laughs> like you check to make sure you turned the yep. the oven off or whatever it is, <laughs> curling iron. How can people best connect with you, find this practice, yeah. uh, or would you like to direct people? Well, as a the classic millennial, I am on Instagram, um, as Lindsay said. So you can find me at uh, Dr. So Dr. Mel Krug, M-E-L-K-R-U-G. And a lot of the things that I've mentioned, you know, if you're curious to jump into the vortex. I have that on my my link in my profile. And then my office is Inspire Life Chiropractic Center. So we're also on Instagram, Inspire Life Cairo Center. And that's really a good place to start as far as a bunch of free content that we put out. And you can find where we're doing events. So we do free breathwork classes. We do a lot of events with food. We have podcasts. Like We are just really putting out a ton of stuff to just support you. So start with Instagram. We're on Facebook too, I guess, but we're more millennial. Perfect. (laughs) You can find us on the gram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank Uh, you. I'm so excited for people to tune into this. You too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah.